Now this morning we've kind of got a three-part sort of important thing. Uh, so um, Faye and David are going to talk about George, uh, two different aspects of George that sometimes we don't think very much about. So uh, I don't know, are going to come up together, are going to come up one at a time? We can come up together. Right, so David and Faye are going to talk a little bit. Morning everybody. Um, it was Pope Galatius who said that George is one of the saints whose name is rightly reverenced among us, but whose actions are known only to God. St. George indeed was an immigrant. His background was multicultural. He was born in Cappadocia in what is now Turkey. His parents spoke Greek and both his parents were Christian. He served in the Roman Italian army eventually. When his father died, his, his mother and himself moved to Palestine. He was an immigrant. He moved to other countries looking for work, migrating from Cappadocia to Palestine. Working for the Emperor Diocletian, he moved between the Roman provinces of the empire the way a skilled worker might move around the countries of the EU today to find better employment. He spread new religious ideas from abroad. He's supposed to have convinced the Empress Alexandria of Rome to adapt Christianity which was spreading through the empire. Most of Europe's successor states are still Christian today. He is a patron saint of many diverse places. England, Bulgaria, Palestine, Ethiopia, Greece, Lithuania, Portugal, and Georgia, whose name is considered to be after him. He is also the saint of cities and provinces like Aragon, Catalonia, Moscow, Istanbul, Genoa, and Venice. He was a soldier for a multicultural European superstate. As a tribune, he was fighting for a state that let its inhabitants keep their local traditions, religions and cultural practices as long as they pledged loyalty to the emperor. As an immigrant with a foreign religion, he was discriminated against and persecuted by the Roman authorities who were becoming wary of Christianity's growing power. While working in his new home, he was affected by a new law introduced to crack down on Christian soldiers. <clears throat> he was arrested and kicked out of the army. When he objected, he was imprisoned and tortured and ultimately beheaded for his foreign ways. This occurred in Lydda in Palestine. This next aspect to George I thought was very apt in view of our current situation. George is the healer and protector. During the Middle Ages, St George's 
believed to be one of the 14 holy healers, a group of saints who could be called on during epidemics of diseases. St George's name was invoked against diseases like the plague and leprosy. The Black Death killed nearly 50 million people, over 60% of Europe's population. Their feast day is August the 8th. From the Krakow Missile of 1483, here is a prayer to the healers. No, I didn't turn this into modern language, so please bear with me. Almighty and merciful God, who didst adorn thy saints George, Blase, Erasmus, Pantaleon, Vitus, Christopher, Dennis, Syriacus, Acacius, Eustace, Giles, Margaret, Barbara, and Catherine, with special privileges above all others, so that all who in their necessities implore their help, according to the grace of thy promise, may attain the salutary effect of their pleading. Grant to us, we beseech thee, forgive us of our sins, and with their merits interceding, deliver us from all adversities, and kindly hear our prayers. It is no coincidence that the Red Cross has his cross as their symbol. He was canonised by Pope Galas in AD 494. In the 12th century, the Crusaders invoked his name in battle as protection and took his cross as their colours. King Edward III made him patron saint of England in 1350, although he never set foot in England. authority is the ultimate authority. 
that God has put him there, and whatever he decides is fine. He is, in fact, like the Roman emperor. And they can't, they can't see that line, and that's a very visible thing where we can see there's a whole lot of things in the Bible about immigrants and behave care for the poor that is just being put under the carpet, shoveled under the carpet, because Trump says we don't have to listen to those kind of things. It's more important we protect our American way of life. But it's exactly what was going on in George's time. Diocletian was saying the most important thing was that we protect our Roman way of life, which was why the persecutions happened, which historians would argue whether, I mean, they, they are the Diocletian persecutions, but it's, there were four emperors at the time. There were two major emperors and two sub-emperors, and it was one of the sub-emperors who was very enthusiastic for the persecution and kind of needled Diocletian into it. And he was a bit more laid back about the Christians. But the persecution happened and it was horrific. Raises a question about where our ultimate authority lies. Where is the line for us? When do we think that we are following the gospel and when are we just doing what our culture or our political party or whatever says is right? And our gospel reading today, the, the line that goes through it is about authority. The, the chief priests and the elders, sometimes Pharisees get chucked in there as well, but they weren't in that high echelon of uh, Jerusalem society, they were kind of a couple of heads down. Uh, these are the really wealthy and powerful people, and they were not happy about what Jesus was doing. Namely, <coughs> healing on the Sabbath, forgiving sins, forgiving sins about sin is pretty straightforward, because lots of people do it, but actually that was to preserve the priests of the temple. And some hillbilly rabbi did not have the authority to forgive sins. No one outside of the temple had authority to forgive sins. They didn't like the way he marched into Jerusalem, and they didn't like the way he turned over the money changers' tables. So there he is, once again, one of the, uh, one of the people I read talked about him occupying the temple. Well, he occupied one very small part of the temple, but he was still there. And they wanted to know by what authority he was doing all those things and teaching these new, well, they weren't new ideas, but they, they were in Torah, but focusing on those new ideas. What authority can you do this? And the story lines his authority up with the authority of John, who took his authority from God. And they knew that. They knew the minute he asked that question, they were done. They had no way out. He was going to win that argument and stay on the Temple Mount. They were going to have to find another way of getting rid of him. His authority came from God, ultimately. And Christians down the ages have believed that our authority ultimately is in God through Jesus Christ. And at some point, we have to make that choice when the lines cross. That's the story of George. And it's our story. So I wonder how George helps us in, well, what difference having George as our patron saint made for us gathered here on this hill? That's my first question. 
And my second question is, has anything else stood out for you today? Has anything stood out or was there a new idea about George for you not being presented today? So how is George being our patron saint of us and did anything new or did anything stand out for you in what has been said about George this morning? But to turn around and talk to your neighbours for a while. We two quite through the service. The lunch won't be ready, and that would be terrible. Just read the stalls all the time. So have a conversation with your neighbour. Zealand settlers went overseas to fight for the Empire in the Boer War. 
So there was a lot of patriotic empire fervor going around. Uh, so this was a way of acknowledging that. And a number of the people who were involved in building that first church were ex-military or the descendants of ex-military or British servicemen who fought here. So that's why we had George. Very good question. Is it still an appropriate name for us? I think if we tell the story, it might be, but that would be an interesting question to explore. But also to acknowledge that because he is multicultural, we could also call him Mori Tapu, which is the Māori version of him. Not anymore, and never been for a long time, our church, Anglican Church, Bartholomew, New Zealand, Polynesia. Anglican means that we are part of a wide communion of which the Church of England is a part, but only a part. So our roots go back to the Church of England. But not all Anglican tribunals or Anglican churches go back to the Church of England, but there are a number who seeded from the Church of England fairly early on in its history, like the Anglican School Church of Scotland, and the Episcopal Church of the United States. I'm not saying for that war, they don't get anything more to do with the Church of England. Thank you very much. They were appointing their own bishops and all in their own life, and England they take money jump. So, and the Scottish Anglican Church was always like that. Any other thoughts about George? Right, so I've got one more movie, which I was supposed to show before we had our conversation with the clock. So we'll round off our discussion with George with another movie, which hopefully works.